0: Um, our next show is going to feature D. Allen. We had to reschedule him for last month, so you'll be hearing from D. Allen in November, on the third Saturday of the month. It's going to be really cool. And uh, you are listening to MutinyRadio.fm from the Mission District of San Francisco, California. And that's it. Thanks, thanks for tuning in, everybody. It's... It's been a good time and it's been fun and I think I think we're gonna listen to to one more song and I think we're gonna go back to Ruthie Foster because that's where we started and it's kind of fun to go in circles right? It's like our planet. It's always always fun. Around and around we go like a planet like a CD player, like my mind when I'm trying to switch CDs at Mutiny Radio, and here we go, to say goodnight from open pages, and here's just a little bit more Ruthie Foster for your lis- listening pleasure, oops, maybe, here we go, Good night, y'all, see you next month.
1: This is gonna be harder than I thought. The cost is gonna be higher than I bargained for. The sun sets on another day, but the hurt won't fade away. Coming back up is hard.
2: it's the laugh track is so ridiculous they're cracking up over not funny things okay so laugh track on this show on this movie yeah it's a tv show mike listen
3: Oh, I'm gonna rip this movie, and I'm gonna get the best response. This is why I picked it. I'm sheltering in place. I haven't heard a real audience. La- I never heard a real audience laugh even before times, but I mean, now I get it. Here, I'll get. i start telling my jokes. Did you know about that moron who went to a book burning and brought a Kindle? Don't you hate them? <laughs> <laughs>
2: I, I'm going to do that too. I can't that's, tell my jokes over this last yeah. track.
3: Okay, you got time to right, Carl, but go ahead, by all means.
2: Okay, so I'm going to wait. So they're going to hoist on a pulley the one of the wings, and they're going to try to reattach it. So there'll be uh, jokes of, like, um, you know, they're not saying lines, it'll just be the uh, pratfalls and stuff, and that's when I'll tell my jokes.
3: Okay, sounds good. We're going to time this right, ladies and gentlemen.
2: Please give it up for Carl. Thank you. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, it's great to be here in the Mutiny uh, Radio studio. And, uh, you know, guy, uh, I got to tell a few jokes now, uh, if everybody's ready. Sit down, sir, please. Uh, just going to tell a few jokes. Okay. Um, <clears throat> My wife wanted to have makeup sex, <laughs> but I ain't wearing that shit. Hey, have I got it up yet? Damn it! It didn't work. <laughs>
3: my wife, my You're getting heckled by Bob Dever.
2: Sex, but uh, I ain't wearing that shit. Damn it! Damn it!
3: <laughs> Try to keep going.
2: Oh, okay. Well, uh, this will be a funny one. I gotta tell you, um, you know, my wife. She wanted to have makeup sex, but I ain't wearing that shit. <sighs> Thank you. Kill it. <laughs> oh, it's gonna be a little dark, but uh David Bowie, yeah, he's dead to me. Oh, it didn't work. He's dead to me. You know it. That is it.
3: Cloud loves you and hates David Bowie. Speaking of dead, everybody on this show is dead, right? Except for Don Wells? Uh probably, um, uh, yeah. Bob Denver passed
2: away. Yeah, Bob
3: Demer.
1: Five,
2: and um, Skipper died in 1990. Um, the professor died in 2014. Mister Howell, um, I don't have a. Mrs. Howell died in 2013. You know what's really endearing? Oh, wow, that's recent. Marianne took care of a very sick. Um. Uh, no, I'm sorry. That wasn't 2013. Marianne took care of a very sick Mrs. Howell. She was her primary caretaker when she died. She went. This woman is a mensch. Um, she was sick. She needed help. Now she could have had plenty of help. She was a very rich woman, but um, but it right. was it was it was uh, Don Wells who was by her side until she died, caring for her.
3: Wow, so that's fifty years after working with her, yep. she uh, became a primary character. Well, that's cool. That's great to hear. Yeah, I
2: like Douglass. I like the cast too. They're eccentric people,
3: you know. Uh, Jim crazy. Backus, I know, of course, from yeah, Mr. Mr. Magoo.
2: Magoo and. But the thing, look, they're all funny. Maybe not Ginger, but this show sucks and is not funny. They're wasting their talents. There is a few good scenes, but it's very rare.
3: You know, you sound like uh, Robert Reed on the cast, on the set of uh, the Brady Bugs. Uh-huh.
2: Oh,
3: I'm a Shakespeare actor. I <laughs> can't believe I have to play Mike Brady.
2: <laughs> yeah. There were three
3: curtain uh, calls. The first telethon. Three curtain calls. My Ostello will be remembered in the halls of theaters. Yeah. Really, in the aisles? No, the whole of the theater. Oh, the lobby of the uh, theater. No! no.
2: <laughs> you saw Galaxy Quest, right? Yeah, I have. Well, the one who was spoofing Spock. Did I just quote it? And he goes, how did I get here? He, he's doing it again. He's having a breakdown. I did Othello in the thing. There were three curtain calls. There were three curtain calls.
3: Oh, that's right. Absolutely. <laughs>
2: So the battery… That's pretty change. good. They're doing yeah. what they always do, kick ass, spin a magnet, make electricity, and it's going to be enough to start the plane. Now one thing that doesn't make sense, but who cares, is there is no runway. So they couldn't have just taken right. it off like a spaceship, but they will.
3: The do you think the guy who created Telekin was like 12 years old watching this
2: going, this gives me an idea? <laughs> The best thing about this scene is while they're doing the biking, uh, Ginger's boobs sh- shake like a church bell that's being rung.
3: Talk about Ginger, too, huh? <laughs> the Ginger, too.
2: Let's see if we see it now. Hold on. Dong, 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 dong. Well, I guess we missed our thing because they're all rolling. Now, of course, Gilligan will get stuck. Right. While the plane's taking off.
3: Yeah. Oh no, it's good. Kind of, well, they should just leave that fucker. Look at right the Was there ever episode? Yeah, alright. I'm, I'm gazing. I'm gazing. They had to put goggles on to watch those.
2: <laughs> Where did they get those suits?
3: So they can't- They should just leave Gilligan on the island. Hell, the, the show would have been like a one season, done, one right, and done, like if, it it wasn't if for they Gilligan's took my advice.
2: Screwing up everything all the time. They would have been off that all island. All the time.
3: It's repetitive.
2: Episode. Yep. Gilligan well, is... Well, I have hilarious. a question,
3: Carl. He's right. There he is. It's, it's. Oh, Gilligan. It's so God, fan. I heard when you grab Alan Hale's hand, it feels like holding like ham. <laughs> like it, it's like cold. <laughs>
2: yeah, little buddy. Hey, little buddy.
3: Hey, little buddy. <laughs> See, how he did was in, in, uh. Anyway. You know, I, I don't know. how. Again, like, how did they find this plane that's been there for decades?
2: Exactly.
3: So, my question is that if it was a three hour tour, how come it takes me 30 seconds to ejaculate? Oh, I mean, their clothing. The clothing. Sorry. Let me ask you again.
2: Minnow. Ooh, look at that.
3: Wow. There's a
2: matchstick. I
3: wouldn't say that that was a miniature, but it looks like matchsticks on the door.
2: So, it was a three hour tour and.
3: It only takes me thirty seconds to ejaculate. I mean, what's up? Didn't the producers think this over? Well, people would always say like, <clears throat> where do they get the clothing? Or you know, da 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 da. Where do they get the aviation jacket You're and goggles?
2: To suspend disbelief. It's just a stupid show. Okay, right. this is kind of funny. How's it going? Well, right. The professor's going to tell him like, we're going to crash essentially. And he goes, don't tell anyone it's a panic. Don't say a word. So Bob Denver's like, I won't say a word. It's it's one of the only funny scenes.
1: I better tell the others. No, don't. You will
3: start a panic.
2: I don't want you to say a book about this. Not
3: one word. Believe me, I won't say one word.
2: One <laughs> word, right? Uh, so, right, one word. I got gotcha. you. Watch. He's not saying one word. He's just passing out parachutes. He's just putting out the parachute. <laughs> <laughs> I hope mine is custom made. All right, that's funny. Okay, so now yeah. here's the here's more of the joke. I didn't say one word. I swear it. I give the parachute. Okay, it's very Go rare again. that was a funny moment in the film.
3: Gotcha. Do you think that was the funniest moment of Gilligan Island?
2: Uh Gilligan? Uh, there'll be another very funny scene in which Alan Hale starts doing the, a hula dance. <laughs> he really does a great acting job at it.
3: Oh, yeah. He's great. He's like the Andy Richter of hula dancing. You ever see Andy Richter do the hula dance in uh, Cabin Boy? Yes. Yeah. This is how a Woman dances or something like that. It's been a while.
2: It's been a long I while. I think I
3: know since. more. I think I.
2: He became a cabin. But I
3: remember more Gilligan's Island. Yeah, a cabin man.
2: What was it? It was like a. All right. A, it was uh like a goddess in a, in a cave, right? Right. <laughs> he wandered
3: in. And magazine.
2: Yeah. And then remember the husband comes home. <laughs>
3: Right, who had, like, a hard day. He worked, he worked at some store or something like that. He was still in his outfit. Yeah, that's a great movie. I, I saw that recently, Cabin Boy, and uh, I watched the the commentary. Well, they had, like, a little featurette on the DVD. And uh, I saw that in the theater, and there was one point in Cabin yeah. Boy where the movie just grinds to a hole.
2: Wait, watch like, this. I think cu-
3: it's from the Giant Cupcake. Uh, okay, uh, uh, I'm watching. I'm watching Ginger.
2: See, he's got the suitcase. Then, poof, the suitcase disappears.
3: Oh, yeah. Oh, that must have been some continuity. I asked you to jump off an airplane dressed as Gilligan holding a suitcase. Not – no, it's a Sorry, d- Mr. Schwartz.
2: Yeah, right. We're going to have to reshoot. Mr. Schwartz, we don't have budget. So you saw the commentary of Cabin Boy, and you were saying the cake, what was oh, it? Oh,
3: that uh – uh. Well, no, for me, when I saw him in the theater, the movie grinded to a halt when the giant when he started to hallucinate and he saw like a giant cupcake spitting tobacco and he's oh. like, yeah, I said, you know, I don't know where you're going with this anymore. It's just done. But I recently watched it like two years ago and uh, it, it still holds up.
2: Maybe I should rent it. They tell
3: it. a story about Alfred. Yeah, you know, it wouldn't hurt, honestly. That, that movie is fun, fun to watch. Al- Albert Molina, the famous uh, actor, uh plays uh, like one of the professors like has a very short role small role in it and during the commentary they said that he thought he had a much bigger role Uh he thought he was playing the captain or something like that
2: and he was really pissed off to find out he was like in two scenes one scene you know that's funny it kind of parallels ginger you see ginger's agent told her that she was pretty much going to be the star of this show it was going to be her star vehicle it was going to be all about her, you know, and they were uh, – it would focus on her. And then when she got there and started the show, you know, do the pilot and everything, it wasn't about her at all. She was just one of the people. She was sulky and pissed off, and that lasted all three years. That's why there are new gingers. She's like, reunion show? Screw you. Wow. I'm here
3: I'm here for the pilot, of Ginger's Island. <laughs> oh, boy. Swartz. Get Swartz. Well, speaking of Mash fans, there's a famous quote. uh, They were interviewing an actress who was playing a nurse, and they had asked her, "Well, what's the show about?" And she said, "Well, it's about a bunch of nurses and their friends, uh, you know, working at a mobile uh, medical union." Unit. It's a famous quote because, yeah, she (coughs) she kind of said the show is about her and her friends. Right. She just played a nurse you know, she wasn't really any of the main characters.
2: Okay, so... That's a good
3: acting story, I guess.
2: Here is another funny joke. Are they... Gilligan
3: oh, no, this is the lost. second final funny joke?
2: They're back on the island. Here, let's... We must search for Gilligan. Oh, well, of course. What would a party be without Gilligan? Even <laughs> the <laughs> That was joke. She goes, "We have to look everywhere, high and low." And Go goes, "Just look high." It's they're
3: like, Deborah, are you still smoking on set?
2: <laughs> wow, he was walking on air. Dobie Gillis's buddy.
3: Yeah, he got busted for pot. He became like a pot icon at one point, just yep. for that.
2: So. He – after Gilligan died, fair. he went back to West Virginia, and he was on an FM – he was an FM radio personality, um, and he ran an oldies-format radio station with his wife.
3: Oh, oh. that's cool. Good for Gilligan. Go oh, look what, – what the – few castaways. Yeah,
2: yeah, what happened is they saw a plane on their radar, which wasn't expected, and then it dropped out of the sky, so they sent a boat to rescue, <laughs> and they're freed now. Wow, good for them. I guess, but it's really bad for a show because they didn't do anything. It was coincidence.
3: They were able to get the plane out in the air. Yeah. Then those gentlemen saw it, yeah. officers, oh, and they came. Yeah. So they, they did. Yeah. You're saying this is an awkward start to the this full-length
2: movie. Okay, what this is is – You're saying is this is a full-length movie. Listen, this is a television pilot for The Castaways on Gilligan's Island, which is a hotel. The Castaways. Here it is. I've got to play it. Oh, isn't
4: this
3: beautiful?
4: <laughs> the building this hotel is the best idea you ever had. It's have. so
2: cheap a voiceover. Oh, yeah. That's their hotel that he bought. No he no built. No cars,
1: no television, no electricity.
5: Just the way we lived when we were shipwrecked on this island 15 years ago.
3: And I was very
1: Generous, my dear. I mean our fellow castaways, partners on this island.
2: Okay, so we've got our set up now. Very generous. They now run a hotel. With, with the, as you said,
3: was so this was voice either it was a voiceover or that the boccuses are so loud. Their voice is <laughs> booms from the heaven over the island. Yeah. Oh there it is. It's tattooed. The, the, boat, the boat.
2: So when the Gilligan,
3: the Gilligan.
2: When they were back in society, they didn't say, like, all go their separate ways. They they said, let's continue to live on the island. It'll just now be a resort. Now, these are guests, including Tom Bosley. There he is from Happy Days. And Marcel wow.
3: w- Yes, there you go, Bob Newhart. And some. And then the other people.
2: Yeah, and the other so this people.
3: This is a straight rip of Fantasy Island and Love Boat, where they, they they come on the boat or they come on the island. Right. They're literally leaving a boat and coming on the island.
2: Did you see that There's kid? There's a on Fantasy Island. Yeah. You assume, like we all do, that he's a, a child of one of the couples that just got off. But he isn't. He's like a stowaway.
3: You can't even go What an idiot. There was an extra person on a fucking motorboat? Yep. I didn't notice, Skipper.
2: Well, that's the thing. Like, wouldn't they have a manifest of who their guests are? Yeah. Meet manifest. <laughs> you, uh. <laughs> you know what, My, you would appreciate this. My kids were in the car in the back seat, and they started making fun of something. I couldn't hear the whole thing, and they were like, ah, ha, ha. And they go, yeah, front 242. Ah, ha, ha. I was like, I love that band, and they
3: went, oh. <laughs> So I'm the butt of Come on, man, single. Hey. Don't you remember their music video for Single White Female? And yeah. <laughs> they get the man.
2: Hey, poor.
3: Oh, here you. Hey, poor. You don't have to be poor anymore.
2: Jesus is
3: here. Okay. Well, it was very important in the 80s to make fun of uh, preachers by sampling them and putting them on over techno beats.
2: In the 80s, all those preachers had become right-wing Christians, and so therefore it was apropos for the time to be criticizing. To sample them, yeah. Okay, these this, are
3: this like their uh...
2: and they bring bad luck, and the stereotype, who's really like a Haw- Hawaiian person – being a stereotype is right. warning them against the bad luck, and the professor's like, ha, 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 and that will be our ending.
3: For Gilgamesh Island. Yeah. Oh, so that's how they get – they wind up back in – so everything goes to shit at the end of the episode. Well – Wait a minute, Carl. If this was a pilot, if this was a pilot, then it would have to end it open-ended, right? They couldn't be deserted on
2: their island again. No, they're Because not. it was going
3: to be a second episode.
2: That's right. They're just – yeah. No, the – the bad luck of the masks is like a dumb gag to wrap up the show.
3: Oh, so the, that,
2: those masks are the, are the reason for their downfall. No, it's just a dumb – it's not the movie fart or something. It's just a dumb ending. Gotcha. Okay, look at Boswell. He's all in a business suit. It's hard – okay, wait. will be right back with
1: a nice, comfortable for your son. Son? What son?
2: Set up. Interesting.
3: Tom Bosley. Bo- How do you pronounce his name properly? Bosley. Bosley. Yeah. yeah. Well, I know that uh, Mrs. Cunningham, the actress, uh, she she they didn't get along. He was like an asshole to her.
2: Right. And one time I saw a uh, candid camera thing. And they were playing a trick on him. He was thought he was there for a business meeting. He's smoking a cigarette, and he was bossing everybody around. And they still showed it to us. And then the, we got the gag, and he goes, ah, ha, ha you kids. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
3: yeah, I can't pull one off of the old boss. One of my favorite uh, bad movies is called Million Dollar Mysteries. Mm-hmm. which was sponsored by Glad Bags, which had Tom Bosley as the spokesman back in the day. Oh, right. So, the, so Tom Bosley plays a character like Jimmy Durante in the Mad, 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 Mad world, where he dies at the beginning, uh, but he is stowing away $1 million in Glad garbage bags, uh-huh. and then he right. dies, and then people have to find the, the, the Glad garbage bags full of money.
2: Set up. And they keep saying Glad. No, so
3: I saw this – yeah. Well, I have to say, Carl, I did have seen this uh, as a kid w- in 79, and I do remember this storyline very well. A- as we heard in that voiceover, Gilligan's Island Resort doesn't have a telephone. Right. But there's one in the uh, lobby. So Bosley, who's going through yeah. the FOMO, FOMO, his fear of missing out, he has to make a business call, and he discovers that there isn't a phone on the island.
2: Right. It's a hidden so phone. I still remember that. It's a little funny how he finds it. Basically, what's going on now is a setup that he is a businessman, he's in real estate, and he just can't keep his mind off. You're on vacation now. You haven't had a vacation in 19 years. Loosen up.
3: Sounds like every Adam Sandler movie I watch. can't enjoy this vacation.
5: Yeah. Have very efficient, reliable people helping you. Yeah,
3: sure. I'm there watching them. Boom,
2: boom. Gillian go- and the Skipper, Mary. Denver replaced Woody Allen in the original Broadway production of uh, um, Play It Again, Sam, which we know from right. Bogart's, the man with Bogart's face.
3: Yeah, and uh, well, Woody Allen made a movie version of that. I think you wrote the, the
2: play. Yeah, I believe. Yeah, he replaced Woody Allen in the play, and Clive Barnes from New York Times said he was um, a genuine clown, like wistfulness, uh, and that ba- that Barnes had found lacking in Allen's own performances. So Gilligan did a better job. <laughs>
3: so, in conclusion. Gilligan is better than Woody Allen.
2: Yeah, for Play It Against Sam.
3: Yeah. Play It Against Sam, I haven't seen that in a long time, but it was like he's a movie nerd who can't get laid. Right. And uh he likes yeah. It's been a while. You know you know there's no quote play it against Sam. It's like Sam, I want you to play it in a certain manner or some shit like that. It's like Hamlet, you know, I know Horatio, right. I need be well with it. Oh, Marissa Wallace in a bathing suit.
2: Yeah, there's nothing more ugly. Mmm, No, man. Come it on, she's not here, a man. pretty What a body. You saw her tongue in Google. Oh, oh, shut up. <laughs> look, just look at her it's so low cut she's got no cleavage. Right?
3: Look oh, at Jesus Christ, girl. man. i am seeing total I've so That's so offensive. There's totally cleavage. Oh, okay. Man, I thought it of course, it's cleavage <laughs> Oh wow! They're, so there are kids. So wait a minute. So there's a lot of people on this island. Yes. It's not just the four people that got came in.
2: Oh, that's what that's what Howell was saying. He, he built a hotel here, and they have a business now. It's on the island, but everybody can come. They they leave for from. Right. There's a cruise ship that comes by. Or from Hawaii, a three-hour tour. He'll be here.
3: So that was, I mean, the skipper came up in a motorboat that held like five people, well, and there's already like fifty people.
2: There were only five guests. I mean, including the kid.
3: Right. By the way, he's probably my kid, and I just realized he's missing. <laughs> oh shit! That's my kid. He's in a he made for TV movie. I was wondering where he was. <laughs>
2: It's a very dumb. He's uh, looking over. Th-
3: I gotta check out the script for Happy Days, Season eighteen.
2: Okay, so now. What that happened to Chuck Cunningham? Hungry, right? See, he's been he's been hiding. Right.
1: Out. Yeah.
3: Hungry for coconut.
2: Oh, he's cuckoo for
3: coconut. Oh. Uh, <laughs> right, Skipper's like, fuck yeah, if I had a hot dog stand on the island ten years ago, I'd be set. Never leave.
1: <laughs>
2: what Skipper's doing right now is basically he's he's serving everybody. They take care of the guests.
3: Ew, he had his hands all over
2: that burger. Yeah, he's totally even not even stealthy. Even four days, that's gross. No, it's not fanny at all. Did you see that? He just ate one of the guests' french fries.
3: I know. It must have been at that place by my job. That's happened to me. Someone's serving up your food, and they eat one of your french fries, and they hand it to you. It's happened. What do you do? What do you do? Yeah, well, I mean, what am I supposed to do? Say, I hate to say it, but, you know, you're in trouble with your job.
2: I want this free. I
3: get it. I get it. Yeah, but I get it. I mean, maybe – I've I've worked restaurant jobs where I'm starving to death, and I would eat the leftovers. I've
2: done it before, Mm -hmm. not the – greatest thing? <laughs> I'm not proud. Oh, this is funny.
1: That's 400 miles away. I'm all right. Oh. The phone on this island. There is no phone on this
3: island. There is no phone, no newspapers, no, no radios, no, no cars. cars. I know all about that, but nobody can tell me that there's not a phone on this island. You're right. I'm telling you, and I'm nobody.
1: But <laughs> so what if there's an
3: emergency? Suppose somebody has a <laughs> attack of appendicitis. <laughs> well, in that case, we phone Honolulu. Ah, uh-huh. hi. You said phone. Who said phone? You did. I did. Yeah. Somewhere. Look, I gotta go help the skipper. Okay? All right, but there must be a phone somewhere in the lobby. Of course, but you'll never guess where. Okay, but now I <laughs> know there's a phone in the lobby, huh? Who said so? <laughs> you did. I did. Me and my big mouth. Look, I gotta leave before I tell you about the secret hiding place. Secret hiding place.
2: Who? You did. <laughs> okay, Uh-oh. that was funny. That was funny.
3: All right. But Carl, wouldn't you like to see a show where every week new guest stars go through try to talk to Gilligan like that? It would have been great. Yeah. This week I is think Tom so. Bosley. Kill- Next week is Hello, I'm Le- Lindsey Wagner. Oh,
2: hello, uh,
3: Gilligan. Uh, hello, Lindsey guest star Lindsey Wagner. How can I help you? Well, Gilligan, I was hoping I could play some tennis. Well, we all hope. Gilligan. <laughs> Does he? He's native to an island that it's, was deserted for those years, that they were stranded on.
2: Now we're he getting oh, she's the phone, phone neighborhood. routine and he's gonna start looking for the phone. Right.
3: I, I still so remember this back in the day. Oh, and look, Ginger Grant's performing
2: in the in the at the lounge. Well, what well, hi, my name, I'm Steve Austin, the guest. I'd like to play some tennis, Gilligan. You're so good at tennis. It's like you're playing 11 is
3: Gilligan?
2: Okay, now, he he's looking for the phone. He just can't find it. Bonk, 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 bonk. Now this
3: was a treat when these movies came out, the TV movies. It was like you know a phenom return home. I remember Gilligan's Island. There's new Gilligan's Island. It's just it was this bad though. See how he found it. <laughs> yeah. What an actor. Ooh. Oh, I didn't dirt. So Gilligan, are you trying to tell me there's no Wi-Fi on this island? There's no Wi-Fi on this island. It's in the. You've got to get a quarter.
2: Yep. <laughs> For those of you, hello watching operator. This is, this is hey, Tom oh, Bosley. Right. That's right. Yes. See? You're exactly right, Mike. Hello operator. We'll keep trying. Hello
3: operator. It's a Tom Bosley. Yes. No shit, this is Tom Bosley. Who else sounds like you? Now,
1: Marianne.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking for... Happy Days, first season. It, yeah. The first season of Happy Days, Carl, was, uh, was basically about Chuck Cunningham and his younger brother, Richie, and his parents, and, right. you know, Joni, a- and they happen to know a greaser from the 50s who, yeah. who uh, the moved department. into... No, Chuck moved... Yeah, that's only because Chuck lives in the apartment, right? Because the the guy left. The actor mysteriously disappeared. Yes.
2: Okay, this is going to be actually another funny scene. Um. Hi. Oh,
3: you could tell.
0: I've been looking for you. Oh, I've been right there inside the tree.
5: lotion
3: a nervous breakdown it was bound to happen no, 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 honey. i'm not having a breakdown it just so happens the only phone on this island is in that tree it's hidden there in case of emergency
4: oh isn't that clever an unlisted
0: yeah. tree you know i tried to call the office <laughs> and nobody's there it's just as i suspected when the cats away the mice will play
5: and henry you forgot about
2: that now, now it starts getting not funny again you know maybe i should play you a not funny segment because i'm just playing the good stuff
3: I can't believe we're watching a full-length movie that has a soundtrack, it's Carl. This is a full-length, a full-length movie first. Uh, this birth.
2: is a TV show, and it's a <laughs> pilot. And it has a laugh track, and it starts with Gilligan's Island theme. It's not – this isn't – Look,
3: you're just show. mad You're just mad because the movie theater manager in 1979 would not give you a refund about when you went to see this full-length theatrical released movie.
2: Hey, I didn't come here for TV, sir. You're going to have to run under <laughs> Hollywood. I do.
3: Ooh, Battlestar Galactica. Well, they were, I mean, Battlestar Galactica was the famous, uh, they, they took the pilot and they added it the second episode and they released it as a theatrically released movie. Right. Uh, during during the whole Star Wars thing, and they got sued. And I've I seen that we watched it for Bad Movie Night years ago in the Dark Room when we did Live Riffing, mm-hmm. and it's terrible. It's the same concept. You have these big production numbers, and then suddenly the, show, the movie dissolves into a TV show or a backdoor
2: pilot.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Okay, so she's going to the managers and she's saying, "Can you help my husband loosen up? I mean, all he's thinking about is business." And they're like, "We'll see what we could do, ma'am."
3: Obviously, they are not thinking a business if they're fucking playing. This is one rule in the in the uh, hotel business: is that you don't get high on your own supplies. You don't play your own shuffleboard. Right. You should be fucking managing.
2: back He looks good. You 79? You see how they're, like, talking to a 2x4? Yeah.
3: Is that going oh again?
2: That's not a 2x4. That's uh, Marcia Wallace.
3: <laughs> Jesus, you are so wrong. <laughs> Listen, it's sexist to say that, and two, her cleavage is great.
2: <laughs> a pig man. Only a pig man would say that. You, you, you...
3: Yeah, she has great tits.
2: You objectify women, <laughs> Michael.
3: <laughs> Wait, it's Ginger, she sings, and she massages?
2: There won't be a happy ending. This is 1979.
3: Oh, yeah. That's the only reason why you went into the massage bar back then.
2: Yeah. It was on the sign. jerk off to You likey, likey, wanky, wanky?
1: Look at that
3: Bosley, man. He's hiding his fist. <laughs> yeah, I've never seen him exactly with his shirt right. off. It's the Father of Happy Days. This is the first movie, Ted. Now, oh, the only way you can see this movie is. is either on YouTube or at the Library of Congress. <laughs> Carl, I know I made you watch this movie and research it, but this was uh, there was a more famous Gilligan's Island TV movie when the Harlem Globetrotters land on their
2: island. That was the last one ever. Interesting.
3: I couldn't find that one. I would have, but I do remember this as a kid, so I kind of picked this one. Listen, we just sat through. If you guys have been listening to our previous episodes, last week's episode was fuck Carnosaur, and the week before that was the same director with his goddamn brain Dead movie. Yeah, so yeah. this is a fucking relief to be watching Gilligan's Island. I, this is like a aperitif.
2: I right, guess though. It. it Mike, it was Just ready, to clean the palette departure, though. I mean, uh, it's uh, okay, look, here's some not funny stuff. I'll show you how not funny it is. Even
3: worse, I haven't had a little yet
2: okay. Okay. Marlin property. My briefcase.
3: Where's my brief- did I bring my briefcase? Yes. Mr. Elliott, you don't need your briefcase. If we catch any fish, we'll put 'em in a pail. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Oh no!
2: Gilligan! Whoa! <coughs> this is TV, Mike! <laughs> well, I mean, this is
3: all shot. Didn't they build the set? Oh, that kid loves it. That kid is so poor, he has to go fishing with a stick and rope down in the island.
2: No, he's playing hideaway.
3: Oh, there's the suitcase.
2: Playing hideaway. Yeah, this lagoon, we saw it in another movie. Uh, was it Ape? There was, this lagoon in one other film we saw.
3: Now, is this shot in like CBS Studios? Wasn't it like the original island was built in uh, Los Angeles where the Price is Right uh, studio is?
2: Yeah, and the lagoon set itself was in um, Studio City, uh, California, and it was right next to a Los Angeles freeway. And it was a real pain in the ass for Uh the sound engineers. I bet. They would have to shoot – Unfortunately, they had a budget. Uh, during rush hour, and they would always be doing retakes because a, a car would show up or a horn.
3: That's so funny.
2: Yeah.
3: You would figure as a theatrically released full-length movie, they would have the budget to kind of yeah prevent that. <laughs> All right, so we deviated from the norm. I owe you one. You get to pick a movie later. All right.
2: Yeah, all right. We have the
3: next two weeks tied up there.
2: They were going to name Gilligan Willie when they were like – when Schwartz was writing it way back when. Yeah. uh, Okay, no, no. I got that wrong. He didn't have a name, and he found – he just flipped open the uh, phone book, and he found Gilligan. And he thought, that's funny. I'll do that. Gilligan's Island. So then Schwartz had the name Willie written in his notes. It was Willie Gilligan. But Bob Denver was like, no, 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 no. Gilligan is the character's first name. And so they agreed to disagree, and they said, we'll just call him Gilligan forever for the whole show.
3: So the creator thinks his name is Willie Gilligan. Because I have heard that story that the first name is Willie and that Gilligan is his last name. But for Gilligan, it's his first name.
2: That's the thing. So they only ever call him Gilligan. And Skipper's character's name is Jonas. Really? They only said it twice. What about the professor? The professor, yeah. He's uh, Roy – wait, 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 wait. I have – yeah, here it is. Professor Roy Hinckley is his real name. Roy Hinckley.
3: Oh, yeah. he had to change it uh, after uh, Reagan got assassinated. (laughs) Hinckley. Hinckley. Well, they just. You know that happened. The, yeah? The greatest American hero, the, the character's last name was uh, Hinkley, and then when the president got shot, they had to change his name. So the next season, he had a different last name.
2: <laughs> Switching horses right in mid gear. Yeah. Here, look, here's more not funny. You were wrong, and I was right. You were
1: wrong, and I was <laughs> banker, <Gilligan>. oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs>
4: Mr. and Mrs. Howell. Who is going to tell Mariana, Mr. and Mrs. Howell? I'll tell teaching the professor. You can
3: tell Marianne and Mrs. Howell. <laughs> this would happen every week again. Do you think it would have been an hour show, Castaways on Gilligan's Island? Like Bloodboat and, and
2: uh, Fantasy oh, Island was an hour. Good question. Good question. Oh, here we you have, have something that's slightly funny.
3: The fucking 1979's aerobics? Hell yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs>
2: Gilligan will start doing. I oh, don't know why it's funny. He's. He's right. funny.
3: Bob Denver is a funny guy.
2: No, g- he's yes, better than Winnie Gilligan Allen. Is I thought not, Gilligan is not funny. He and and
3: had to bend over backwards for this show. <laughs> <laughs> <Uh-oh>. <laughs> There's a white boy in the window. Boom, boom! He's, yeah, he's looking at the butt. It's me in 1979. Oh, you look at that! It's a little funny. It's a little funny. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, it's hysterical, apparently.
0: Apparently.
3: Do you remember on the Odd uh, Couple the soundtrack? Oh, those shows. There was always like a distinct laugh in the soundtrack on the left track. I did. Like it's somewhere in the aisle, just had it. Well, Carl, you're familiar with the open mic show, and you're familiar with comics in the back of the show. Yeah. And you're familiar with the one comic who has to call attention by having a very distinct laugh. <laughs> so you'll, you'll say a joke, and Mike Spiegelman,
1: <laughs>
3: you know, and
2: it, it to the point where it's just like, hey, guys, remember, I'm in the room.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, there's this one guy, his name's Brandon. Uh, Brandon Wonderlich. And he goes, ah, ha, ha, ha! I love when I hear his laugh, though. It's not the same thing. He has a very distinctive laugh, but I know I've got a hit when he's laughing, and his laugh is so clear. Oh,
3: that's good. Okay, so. Usually, yeah, I'll have the comics who, um, yeah.
2: Just for the plot. The professor found, made in Chicago, Illinois, in the masks that are supposed to have bad luck. Okay, this will be fun. they're truly bad luck. Now.
3: Hey, oh right, it's a skipper.
2: Yeah, Alan Hale does a very bad job in this whole thing, this whole series. He sucks. But not right here. Right here, he's f- as funny as Luke Costello. So he's <laughs> sexually excited by Ginger, and it's weird. He hasn't done that the whole series. Yeah, you're right. Maybe because it's... Fortunately, uh, they're the uh, same age. Ginger. Dude. Now, Skipper,
1: I'm rehearsing some hula stats that I have to teach the guests. But I've got something that I want to talk to you about. Oh, well, there's gonna be a hula contest at the luau. It's about a little boy. Oh, well,
2: tell me while we dance. Dance? The professor? I can't do the hula ginger. I can't do the hula. Okay, here we go. Now he's All right,
3: I'll revert all the
2: Now, it's 1979, so they're being cool about it, but he is sexually excited.
3: Right. Well, you can tell from those 70s fans, he's got a raging one right now. (laughs) Look at that. You can see his hard on. Yeah. Actually, you can't see shit. (laughs)
2: So baggy.
3: Well, none of them wear belts. Gilligan, Skipper, so they can't hang themselves. Right. Have you ever noticed on Gilligan's Island that they all don't have belts, but their pants holds up? It's just totally (laughs) unrealistic, Carl. I I, think you have a moment.
2: It could be suspenders. Okay, that was funny. Right, yeah. Jerry Van Dyke was almost Gilligan.
3: Jerry Van Dyke. Hey, I want to recommend to our audience. Go type in my mother the car on YouTube, and you can watch every single episode of Jerry Van Dyke, the guy from Coach. Uh, he had a 60s show where his mom dies and is reincarnated into a car, a jalopy he buys, mm-hmm. and speaks to him through the radio. And it's great. It's yeah, great. I, yeah. I was really happy when him posted every episode. Well, yeah.
2: Okay. It Th- listen, it's funny you say uh, he. One of his biggest regrets is my mother the car. Uh, when the idea of Gilligan's Island was cooked up by creator Sh- Sherwood Schwartz, as an actor in mind for the part was Jerry Van Dyke. The producer sent Van Dyke the script for the pilot. He hated it, calling it the worst thing I'd ever read. Jerry Van Dyke took another sitcom role on the advice of his agent. Van Dyke accepted the lead role as my in My Mother the Car. One of his <laughs>
3: Yeah, you know what? You know what when he said, I'll take the roll in my mother's car. And then you hear the laugh track. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be a hit. <laughs> and then the music. Tong, 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 tong.
2: Now we're having hilarity as the uh, boy gets away by swinging from, brand, you know, like Tarzan from vine to vine. Right. Of hilarity as guilt. Now look, he's got parallel bars. You see them? They're trying to hide them, but you can see them kid's doing gymnastics.
3: Interesting. Whoa! The, skipper, Skipper, there's an underage kid on our island. Yeah. Oh, yeah, look at him. It's <laughs> there's an underage kid on our island. Oh, he must have gotten this place. Yeah, uh, Epstein's Island is next door. There you go. Thank you. Uh, I tried. I tried. Wow, this kid is uh, gymnastically
2: athletic. Well, we're going to learn that he is training for the Olympics.
3: Does this kid talk? He gives a heart to heart, right?
2: Yep. Of course, right? So, check this out. When the Gilligan's Island first came on the air, a lot of people contacted the Coast Guard to rescue the cast. Seriously. Um, That's nuts. The, the American Coast Guard received several letters and telegrams grams requesting them to save Gilligan. It's uncertain if these letters were serious concerns or pranks or a mix of both. What other
3: shows were around back then?
2: Uh, hello, FBI.
3: There's UFOs. I just saw it on TV. Uh, man, that's a show, UFO. Hi, Ron. All right.
2: So now we come back from commercial and they're meeting each yeah. other.
1: I've been doing that stuff since I was a kid. Since I was five. Five? Yeah. Yeah, uh, we're trying to make the Olympics.
2: Olympics. So we're getting the whole story why he ran away.
3: The Olympic village, it's just people fucking. I had to get out of
2: there. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, Raquel Welch <laughs> was almost Marianne.
3: Really? Well, she, she had a career back then. Nope. Well, wait a minute. I'm trying to think. She did it in 64,
2: right? It was a show. Wait, Um, A House Is Not what? A Home was 64 on our show, and Raquel Welch was pretty much right. unknown. She – Tried out for Marianne and they thought, you know, she's very sexy, but she's out of the running because she's not the girl next door. '66 was They're the lost. movie that made her famous and made her a sex symbol like two years later. You're they right. Didn't know what they had.
3: What? Yeah. Do you think this is just like war at this point? Like, is. Sherman Sports wrote books about Gilligan's Island, and I—I yes. uh, I think I tried to read it. And I, I back in the day when I was like absorbing every pop culture when things were current. Mm-hmm. I think the book came out in the nineties. Uh,
2: I have that written somewhere uh, in my notes here. He did make a book all about Gilligan's Island, and that's pretty much why I've got so much material. Uh, not because I read his book. Yeah. Uh, about, like, interest Like, Carol O'Connor auditioned for Skipper, and this was before All in the Family, which was 71. So, again, they didn't know what they had.
1: <laughs>
2: ah, Christ, Gilligan. Mm-hmm. Gilligan. Hey, wh- what you call, we're like uh, ship casted here. What you call? So, now Tom Bosley <laughs> has a plan to get off the island. He's going to pretend. That he's taking his wife's advice and just, you know, unwinding and relaxing. But he, like, looks like a bum. He's lazing around. He wants to stay for three months. He's trying to trick her into saying, please take me back home.
3: Oh. Dilgan never did that. He never guilt-tripped Skipper. Oh, I love it here on the island. I'd see us here forever. He's You're not crazy, enough. i got to get you off this island.
2: Yeah. But, uh, every week, this week, I would do that kind of thing like shame or like, yeah, they, you know. they, okay. a great couple.
3: I mean, honestly, out of all the TV couples, the uh, uh, millionaire and his wife were just they loved each other yeah. so much. Yeah, but look at you.
2: Look this at is you. a little funny. Watch this. Well, if you want to shave, that's okay with me. <laughs> all right, we didn't get a good enough setup. He was like. Your hair's unkempt. You're unshaven. But you just look at you. Look at me. And he says, "Well, if you want to shave, I, I, you know, I don't mind. I'll wait." <laughs>
3: oh, oh, quarantine alert! I shaved today.
2: Wow.
3: Yeah, I know, right? It's always a big difference. I love how I love how like they just they they decide to take their misfortune. They have an opportunity to
2: to. ...make something of their lives, and they still haven't changed their clothes. Yeah, really. Especially Gilligan and the Skipper. Especially. No. This is all nonsense. They never had new costumes. You see, you you look at uh, Marcia Wallace, then you look at uh, Marianne and Ginger, big! Now that's a rack! Carl, alright, if we're going to
3: have to go down the Texas road... Maria Wallace's rack is fantastic. I don't know what's your problem. <laughs> I don't see. Yeah. I don't see what you're seeing. I don't get it. I don't want to come off as sexist, but I think there's there's something there.
2: Yeah, two bumps in the road. No.
3: <laughs> did you ever watch the Real Gilligan's Island?
2: I don't know what that means.
3: The Real Gilligan's Island was a reality show on TBS. Oh. I think it was during the aughts, where they found people to to hit the archetypes of the uh, original sitcoms real? and then put them on a real island. And the big thing was that the millionaire's wife couldn't stand the fact that Gilligan was gay. And that they, like, milked that for episodes. They were like, <laughs> you know, or maybe the professor was the guy who had the professor role. And that was the drama. That never happened on Gilligan. You know, give it up for Sherman Schwartz. Even though they're all white, they definitely got along. They definitely worked together. <laughs> you know? Like, if they said Gilligan was gay, they would be okay with it. They would. Obviously, Skipper's okay with it. Look at Skipper. He's been looking at that view for years. In <laughs> the bunk
2: bed? <laughs> now, Mrs. Howell. Will they always stop buck bottom bunk? What's that?
3: Oh, no, no, go ahead. I was just saying that they've always slept in bed bunks, and I think it's always been Skipper on the bottom.
2: Yeah, that's just for crushing Gilligan reasons. There's ever an accident. <laughs> oh, right.
3: That was Endeavor's contract.
2: <laughs> so Mrs. Howell was not a fan she of Gilligan's Island at all. Natalie Schaefer, she didn't like the show. She didn't like the script. She didn't like anything about it. So she thought the pilot was gonna be like this one and done acting job. She didn't believe the premise of the show was strong enough to be like be a whole series. And she was shocked when she got a call back that the show was picked up for more episodes, now she was just like, okay, this is a paycheck. I'll do it. She hated the show during.
3: Wow. Yeah, but well, what were the other sixty shows back then? Hogan's Heroes? Would you oh, rather geez. be like the zany Holocaust, uh, you know, German Nazi prisoner camp? Let's take Stalag 17 and turn it into a broad comedy. There was no other, there was nothing but... Did she prefer to dress up in
2: a bikini and be trapped in a bottle?
3: I don't. I can't think of any other show during the '60s that wasn't like you know.
2: Okay, so wasn't
3: just as bad.
2: TV lineup 1979 on ABC: Uh, Barney Miller, Charlie's Angels, Donnie and Marie, Eight Is Enough. That's pretty. There's something to watch there. Um, Let me put in NBC. That was ABC. Well, you know, Carl.
3: I actually have in my hands the complete directory of primetime network and cable shows, 1946 to present, 8th edition. Okay. And in the back of the book, they have the primetime schedule.
2: Mm-hmm. So
3: for sake of argument, I could check what was on 79 and see uh, what it was what competing was against again. against But I, I could also ch- – you know, actually, do you mind if I check uh, 64 to see what
2: was up against Gilligan's Island? Whatever you want. Uh, also in '79 on NBC was Chips, Different Strokes. Hello, yeah. Larry. Oh, uh, well, Little Hello, Harry Larry. Prairie. there was plenty to watch. BJ and the Big. Isn't that
3: like well, now we're getting it? We're getting into the weeds. Fred Silverman was this TV executive who turned ABC and CBS to number one. NBC wow. hired him in the late '70s, and he proceeded to crank out Supertrain, uh, Pink Lady, and Jeff. And a lot of other, like, oh, as well as, like, different strokes. Oh, no, Brendan Tartikoff kind of was the genius behind, like, Punky Brewster and, and,
2: you know. I remember Okay,
3: so Punky let's see. We...
2: Only that it was this little kid. And so when my son, Keith, the littlest one, I used to say, come here, Punky. Punky Brewster, you know, put him on my knee. Come here. to find out Punky Brewster. He came to find out Punky Brewster's a girl. He's like, Dad.
3: Bl- uh, from, uh, was it, wasn't she in, uh, didn't she have a second role? Oh, no, no, I'm thinking of uh, Blossom, I beg my pardon.
0: Uh-huh. Okay,
3: so I'm looking at the sk- fall of 64 on a Saturday. Uh, Gilligan's Island was on at uh, 8.30. Yeah. It was the Jackie Gleason Show from 7.30 to 8.30, Gilligan's Island, Mr. Broadway, and Gunsmoke. Uh, but they were competing against Lawrence Welk and Kentucky Jones on NBC.
2: Wait a minute. Now this is May third, nineteen
3: seventy nine. No, no, this is back in sixty four. This oh is when right. it premiered. Okay, Let okay. me go ahead and check seventy nine. So May fourth. Uh, oh. Can you can you tell me what day of the week it was?
2: Uh no. Uh, May May 1979? No, I'm not an I'm an idiot, not an idiot savant.
3: Fine. I'll Google it. Let me Google it. May. Three. 3rd, Nineteen. 19- Third, okay. It was a Saturday. Ladies in the Bacon Lounge. Okay, so uh, what happened on May? I don't really. It was Three. a Thursday. Okay, so let me go ahead. So Thursday there was Barney Miller, Soap, and 2020. Oh no, no, I beg my pardon. ABC started off eight o'clock with Laverna Shirley, Benson, Barney Miller, Soap. 2020 that is a solid three hours right there yeah i turned to cbs i had walton hawaii 5-0 and barnaby fucking jones yeah. solid and then uh nbc and i could see it was buck rogers Quincy me and kate loves a mystery okay so so well, actually, who we're talking about may so let me see if they ch-
2: who did this compete again oh no
3: i take it back Okay, so I take it back. So, back, I'm looking at the fall schedule for 80, and May would kind of fall in there. There was something called the NBC Thursday movie that was at 9 o'clock. NBC had Games People Play at 8, and then the NBC Thursday movie. So it must have premiered then. Mm-hmm. So it was competing against Magnum P.I. and Not Landing on CBS. That's right. And then on ABC, they had uh, Barney Miller, It's a Living, in 2020. And I That's do remember rough. It's a Living. Yeah. You can't compete against the late Tom Ballard in its living.
2: Yeah. Um, this was yeah. highly rated according to the Internet. O- okay, we're wrapping up here. You mean I can decide when I'm going to
1: practice and how long? Yes, Robbie. It must have been very important to you. Mom, I've been saying that for months.
3: I well, I guess there is a time for work and a time for play. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, sometimes we just don't hear. Aww.
3: Oh. Honey, if you turned to ABC, we could watch the last 10 minutes of 2020. <laughs> <laughs>
2: the Scarzel Killer is on. Um, I used Whoa. to think that uh, show was going to do 2020 before it aired, because I had 2020 hindsight. <laughs> You know, Mike. Well, I That's all
3: my dad we, watched. We had 2020 20 vision.
2: This year, I've been yeah. looking at girls' butts a lot more, because um, I have 2020 Hine sight.
3: Especially this year. Yeah. Well, I
2: have. Uh, I bought a TV. It's my 2020 television. Uh huh.
3: I have 2020
2: television. Yeah, I bought it this year. 2020 vision. No, 2020 television. Okay, now here comes the wrap-up the masks. Okay, the the evil masks. That's
3: yeah, right. I remember that. Yes, on the islands.
1: Bread.
2: Here comes the wrap-up.
3: Did, did we ever see them eat a banana or an uh, orange or an
2: apple from that pile of fruit and food? Right. It's, it's got to be plastic. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay, we're still getting the wrap-ups of, I'm sorry I put you through such problems, honey. It's okay, I I'm l-
3: sorry I put you through such trouble. I love you too, Carl, even though I made you watch this movie. How many times have yeah. you watch this?
2: This is my fourth fucking yeah. time. Thanks.
3: <laughs> <laughs> All right, listen, I got the next two movies lined up, and then we'll uh, you'll pick the movie. Okay.
2: Okay, we, here it comes. Bad luck.
1: Uh, Chicago.
5: <laughs> Thurston, I have as much right to an opinion as you have. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, now I can tell you those
5: labels in the masks that read Made in Chicago,
3: Illinois. Well, I made those labels myself. <laughs>
1: <laughs> those were actually primitive native Polynesian masks? Precisely. And I hope I prove to you all just how absurd the ancient superstitions really are. I just pretended to find those labels in the masks
3: to show you stereotype that the stereotype is shot. Oh yeah, right. They were what?
2: Oh? oh no. The drums are making the statues rock.
3: Oh, that's creepy, Carl. This movie this this theatrically released full length movie has gone from comedy to terror.
2: In the in the oh, last wait, five minutes. Now it's back to comedy.
3: Where was the money shot? They just cut the Russell Johnson with uh, a, a bowl on his head. I didn't see him land. Look at that we hair. That God, he has the best hair. We see the
2: event, we see the after.
3: Yeah, I paid good money. I, I, this is what I would complain. And then the. Oh, and there's a. But wait a minute. So there's no, like. They don't – I thought they fucked up, like everyone left and then they got
2: stranded. No. They actually – this is open-ended. It's like you said before. It had to be open-ended, yeah, to be a, a pilot. And They didn't get picked up. Oh,
3: Yeah, well, right. Well, you know, but them was too busy with Super Train.
2: Right. He went on to Super Train.
1: Uh-huh. Ladies and uh-huh. gentlemen,
3: uh, this has been a
2: uh, – A track? Oh, yeah.
3: Well, I do remember – God, I remember Uh, the ending of Gillian's Island, they they didn't, when they showed these shows in syndication, they played the end credits. It wasn't, you know, sometimes they'll talk over it, but they wouldn't squish it to the side or put in a little box to tell you to skip it, you know.
2: That started in the 90s. You would see them, like,
3: yeah. But do you you remember the the famous ending of Gillian's Island? They're, like, waving or they're on, like, a grotto or something like that. I forget. uh, Well, anyway. Uh, God, I'm so nostalgic.
2: What'd you think of today's movie? Uh, I loved it. It was great. Good choice. Look, man, it sucked. And it wasn't even good. I guess it's good for your show. There is a lot to talk about with Gilligan's Island.
3: It's a, well, you know I love TV movie, I love TV shows that become full-length movies. I prefer their theatrically released full-length movies. Yes. It's a lot more fun. But uh, there was this phenomenon, and I know that people talk about Gilligan's Island and the, and the, and the Globetrotters, and I just wanted to let them know that, you know, they did other stuff. They had these other theatrical release, uh, these TV movies. And so, and I also remember watching
1: it. So it Rescue
2: from Gilligan's Island was the reu- reu- reunion show. The one we just saw, The Castaways in Gilligan's Island, The Harlem Globetrotters on Gilligan's Island, two animated C- series. Yeah, you said Planet. Guest spots on shows like Alf, which they're all together. Uh, Baywatch, Roseanne. God. So they milked
3: this cow. Yeah. Well, now they didn't – I, I always wonder about syndication and whether they got residuals. I mean, I know that uh-huh. I Love Lucy, none of the uh, day players got any residuals. Yeah. They were, all went to Lu. and that, that show was a syndication for decades. So I do I wonder, like, Lucy. you watch, like, Brady Bunch. Yeah, I mean, does Gilligan get, like, 12 cents every time it airs after uh, uh, no. school? I mean – So yeah, their fame were gone, and I I do know, and then the Brady Bunch movies from the nineties, I think Gilligan shows up.
2: Yes, that's right, and also um, Jim Bacchus was did a Brady Bunch, and six. Uh, listen, I've got more stuff I didn't tell you during this. Six women played Ginger. Nine, 70 minute movie. Oh wow. Uh, Tina Louise was considered to be the official. Is considered to be the official Ginger. Uh, due to her friction with the cast and her rough history with the show itself, she declined a- any spin-offs, reunion films, cartoons. He was just like, I am out of here. That happened and now it's done. Well, yeah. Anyway, there's lots to talk about. It was good in that sense. There were many things I didn't get to here in my notes and that's okay. Um, <clears throat> but as far as like, Enjoying a film, you know, like I enjoyed Brain Dead. It was bad, but I enjoyed it. Uh, this was not funny. I played you like five to eight funny moments, but as a rule, right? You know, and um, also we were watching TV. That is not your style, Michael. Uh, yeah, I know it's not my
3: style because I've said this on this show. TV, like when you see a bad movie, is that someone had a vision. Someone had a financial backing on this, yeah, and it misfired. It wasn't their attention. They were they were wanting to make a good movie, or they wanted to make something that exploitive, but entertaining enough. And there's a misfire, you know. So, so television, television doesn't care if you think it's good or bad. They, you know, you watch Might. it. You could sit on your couch complaining about it. A co- seven commercials play. That's you what complain about after. them? Yeah. Then the show comes on. Yeah, so as long as you watch those ads, they don't give a shit if you hate the quality of yep. it and you're, you're zinging it for your couch. They want you to zing it for your couch. They want you to sit there and watch it all day. So, yeah, I agree. Remember so it saw, is kind of a misstep for us. But
2: remember we saw one TV thing that was good? It was Lonnie Anderson and Arnold Schwarzenegger.
3: Sure, that was the Jane Mansfield story. Yes, that was, right. We enjoyed that. That was good and the TV. person who uploaded it person one uploaded it kept all the commercials in there and it was all ads from the 1980 uh, uh, presidential de- uh, uh, election. The yes. Democrats want you to wait in line for gas. <laughs> they want you to drink Perrier instead of straight from the faucet like an American. Right. Isn't it a time we put Ronald Reagan in the office? So I'm looking at my prime time book, and I just wanted to follow up about the prime time schedule. So I had mentioned that Gilligan moved a couple of nights. Their second season, they were on Thursday. They were up against the Donna Reed Show and, and Daniel Boone. And CBS offered The Munsters, Gilligan's Islands, My Three Sons, and then the, the Thursday night movie. Then, they, uh, then Gilligan kind of, for the final season, they kind of took a bath. I just saw it a second ago. They were on Monday at 8, 7.30. That's uh, it was 10, but it's not good. It, yes. Well, apparently the primetime schedule started at 7.30. Not On 8. On Sunday they would add, like, uh, not 8. Mm. So I'm looking at, like, even in 65 and 64, for a long time, the, the primetime season was 7.30 to uh, 11.
2: Okay, so 8 to – And then, early, yeah. 8 and 9 were, like, the killer hours. And then ten o'clock, it got a little fuzzy, uh, but I don't remember eleven o'clock ever being prime time when we were young. It was no, 8 no,
3: to t- no, no. It, it ended at end eleven. It o'clock. ended at eleven. There was the yeah. local news, right. local news, and then it was a late night talk show. Mm-hmm. And then they did that thing where local news lasted till eleven thirty-five, and then you started Jay Leno or Johnny
2: Carson or what right. have you. I never g- it yeah. I found not about but no, you're right. It was Johnny. Yeah, let me. Against who? Uh,
3: I think it was just Carson for a long time. I know network-wise, it was some prime time, like Arsenio was, primed, was syndicated. Right. Uh, Sick of the Night was syndicated. Joan Rivers started the upstart Network Fox. They put it, a late-night show. But usually the, got Network... the
2: game. Uh, no, you said that. Um, It was Pat Sajak for two seconds was in the game.
3: Right, that's right. You know, I think a lot of like local affiliates made money off of reruns. Like you could watch Johnny Carson, or you could watch like Honeymooners on, or uh, mm-hmm. you know, General at eleven thirty. Yeah, so you know, people had a habit of like, oh, I'd rather watch the Honeymooners than watch Carson. Or was it eleven? I, I was at like, it might have been at eleven against the news. What they it might have been like two episodes
2: back. Channel 9 and Channel 11, that's where, like, Honeymooners would show up. I just don't remember which one. I think it was 9. WOR? I always thought it was 11. May- I th- you could yeah, be right. I always thought it was 11 because 11 was in New York City, and,
3: of course, famously, WOR is the Secaucus, New Jersey. Right. And uh, they always kind of
2: played up the New York aspect of the Honeymooners, so I think it was... Uh, it might have been Your right. brother did a lot of TV in caucus, but, or but was it a lot? Maybe it was only... It was more than one show. He
3: my brother, Adam, who recommended a, a movie we're going to watch in two weeks, and we'll get back to that in the next week, uh, he, uh, he had a bad movie podcast called Probably Resents, but he's a television producer, and he worked on the Richard Bay People yeah, Are yeah. Interesting yeah. show. Yeah, or whatever. That's right. <laughs> yeah. And they would shoot that. And, you know, the Richard Bay show, they would shoot in the Secaucus camp, and they would have things like Blonde versus Burnett, Who's Better? And they would do these, like, challenges where they would shoot it on the roof of the WOR studios. And you can see Secaucus behind them, and they'll be like, you know, blonde versus brunette, mud wrestling, or something like that, on the roof of the W.O.R. Anything to make you watch. Yeah, it was an interesting show. Yeah, anything to make you watch. Carl, listen, I had to pull this one out. It was just kind of an oddity. It's a curio. It's a pop culture curio, so that's the reason why I it's I hip- brought this out. I, I. No problem. I can't apologize for the castaways. I'm not going to apologize. Yes, you this are. This is an exception. <laughs> are. I mean...
1: No,
3: you are going to apologize. Listen, I eat what you eat. <laughs> <laughs> We're, our show's not ending, Carl. I'm not going to apologize. I'm I look at Carl, listen, I'm sorry, okay? I it was like clearly next a pilot. Week. All right,
2: what are we watching next week?
3: Okay. Are you sure you don't want to take. All right. You're going to take the switcheroo is going to happen in the week, and then yeah. we'll do Adam's uh, suggestion down the line. All right. Next week, we're, we're back in the land of real movies. We're back in the land Thank of you. really terrible, we- not terrible, but just weird, offbeat movies.
1: Thank you.
3: And when you hear weird, offbeat movies, the name Robert Downey Sr. gets bandied around. Yes. Uh, he, of course, is Robert Downey Sr.'s uh, father, and he's a famous experimental filmmaker, and I was one of the few people who saw Mad Magazine present Up the Academy in the mm-hmm. theater, uh, films he directed. He makes these films that are just what did Not we really watch Putney Swartz? Swoops, Pete, loops. Putney Swartz. I don't think we ever watched that yeah, one, did we? Yeah,
2: we saw Putney Swoops Putney. together.
3: God, Carl, we've been doing this show a long time. Yeah, I, know. Yeah, I like that one a lot. <laughs> uh, yeah, right. And he actually voiced Putney. He redubbed it and did his own voice on that. So yeah, we're watching a movie he did in 1974 called Greaser's Palace.
2: Okay. Good.
3: Where it's a western, but like a, a modern day people show up. Palace. Uh, Okay, trailer. And yes, uh, I don't think we have a trailer, unfortunately. Uh, we have like uh, scenes cut out.
1: Oh, uh,
2: okay.
3: I'm relying on your audio, so I do see like just scenes, but I don't think there was an official.
2: Oh, that's trailers. Okay, we I'll, I'll try commercial, commercial instead of trailer. Merc- okay. Yeah.
3: There's just clips from this movie.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I see. Yeah, it's still more. Okay, so we got Bingo, we got Spittoon, uh, we've got I Can Crawl again, and Jesse's song, and Red okay. Snapper. What do you like? Soldier's You want
3: to end on the song? The song, sure. That is. Well, no, no. Well, that's three minutes. I don't know about that. One would do I Can Call Again and call it a day.
2: Okay, 38 seconds for Red Snapper. Wanna try that? Okay,
3: one? let's do 38 seconds. I like that. Okay. Yeah.
2: So I put in Trailer, Greaser's Palace, you'll only get clips, and if you go down to Unruly Brute's channel, you will find Red Snapper. I'm sliding it back to zero, zero, zero. All right, kids, get your finger hovering over that triangle. Let's do this thing in three, two, one. Okay, three, two, one.
3: In a world. (laughs) All night I'm on the first right up the four corners. Red snapper. I know she's the finest smoke signal I ever seen. She said, "Bernard, you are the only man who ever made my bell ring." All my love, Red snapper. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Ugly
2: old honey hole says hello. <laughs> uh, okay, all right, we'll see, we'll see.
3: All right, well that's the, that's the movie. Okay. Uh, so ladies and gentlemen, we're gonna watch. We're back to watching classic movies and odd, weird movies that we read about. I've read about Robert Downey Sr.'s uh, work, uh, mm-hmm. several books, but this is the first time I can actually see. A full-length movie of his. Thank you, YouTube, and that's the premise of the podcast. Carl, where can people find you?
2: Uh, Gosh, Uh, they can go to carlsucks.com. And if they go to my mic on Tuesdays, they're getting temperature checked as they walk in the door, thanks to Mike Spiegelman. And we don't have microphone condoms, but we do have microphone prophylactics. Plus, there is a bevy (laughs) of uh, squirt juice you can disinfect yourself and if you go inside the bar to go to the bathroom you must wear a mask. This is all thanks to Mike Spiegelman, oh, see
3: yeah, Alright, well thank you so much. Carl is uh, being responsible and he is offering live entertainment from a professional bar in New Jersey uh, backyard, so he is obviously yard. checking the boxes backyard outdoors yeah, right by a billboard. You get classic New Jersey billboard facing the parkway
2: Uh, It's between 80 and the Parkway, and don't make that a New Jersey thing, as if billboards aren't all over Frisco.
3: I missed, yeah, but they're they're Bay Area billboards. They're not real true Jersey billboards. They're not made with hard water, man. They're not boiled in hard water like New Jersey billboards.
2: Start driving down Route 80, and you're going to see billboard, 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 billboard. billboard. It's every state. It isn't here. It's America. It's no, exactly.
3: no, man, listen, man, the billboards, the billboards in California are different. When you fold them in the house, there's no grease pours out of them. You know, they're complete. They're, – they're fluffy. You know, it <laughs> yeah, doesn't even taste like a billboard.
2: That's a fair cop. I mean, that's a fair criticism.
3: <laughs> yeah. Well, take it for me, uh, an ex-Jerseyan in California. Yeah. I've been in California 27 years, but I'm still an ex-Jerseyan. Yeah. Well, ladies and yeah. gentlemen, uh, I think of California if you're in Humboldt County. Pick up the latest copy of Savage Henry Magazine. Uh, The the comedy magazine's theme is The New Normal. I did get accepted. I'm in the the new issue. And if you're not in Humboldt County, well, you're probably smoking shitty weed. But if you're not in Humboldt County, you can still read the magazine. There's a digital copy on a website called Issue. It's in I-S-S-U-U dot com. Go ahead and type that in. Type in Savage Henry Magazine. And you could find my latest article. It's uh, your breath stinks. So if you're not going to wear a mask to, for because of the pandemic, you at least wear the mask. And I, I make a lot of your breath smells so bad, COVID-style jokes. So I'm going to save it. Go ahead and find that. Carl, it's been a pleasure to talk to you. It's been a pleasure to watch Gilligan's Island, man. We've been friends for years. I don't think we've ever watched an episode of Gilligan's Island together.
2: You know, some things. You know, sometimes you don't fix what ain't broke, Mike.
3: Okay. <laughs> Too late. It's I fixed done. it.
2: It's done. I'm looking forward to Greaser's Palace. Back to movies.
3: Sounds great. And l- We're looking forward to watching, let us watch Greaser's Palace with you, the audience. So please, if you haven't subscribed, do so. Go ahead and rate us on uh, I- iTunes and go ahead and write some shitty thing on uh, Twitter. I don't know how the, w- the internet yeah. works. Well, we love your support. Keep supporting Mutiny Radio. If this episode airs and Mutiny is still around, you're doing the right thing. Uh, Carl, Stop thank you so much, man. It was fun. I-
2: Stop saying
3: that. Oh, I didn't say nothing. Okay. Who said what? Go to
2: mutiny
3: radio, hit the donate button. Yeah, do that. Why don't you donate? I don't remember your song. (laughs) All right, Carl, thanks so much. Thank Thank you, you, audience. Thank you, Carl.
4: watch if you want to, you can slap Spiegelman's
2: behind L-W-A-F-L-M-N-O-Y-T on Mutiny Radio Mutiny Mutiny It's pronounced Mutiny
1: Mutiny yeah,
2: it's, it's pronounced Mutiny, mutiny. Uh, My turn off are guys who say Mutiny Mutiny,
1: mutiny.
2: Uh, Let's watch a full-length movie on YouTube with Mike
1: Spiegelman Spiegelman. Oh, my big Oh, my big
3: LMOIT.
2: On a lark and peeing in the park. You should follow me on Twitter. It's jokes to Carl. That's the duh of Francais, not the duh of dumbass. But never mind that.
4: You hear the trippy music you know what time it is I'm so excited today is a little bit different I am pre-recording some call me Tim because I have the most exciting interview that I've ever had on some call me Tim well today on some call me Tim I actually have Wania, the beau of season six alone. How did that happen? Oh, things happen on Netflix and then get into them, and then, oh, you get on Facebook and they're real people. She's a real person. She answered her fan mail because I am a super fan. It's hard for me to express. I don't want to tell her this stuff because it's weird, eh, but she'll hear it on the thing later. But I'm, I used to be a reality TV junkie before I started living like an authentic life that I wanted to live and spent my time the way I thought it should be spent to like make the universe and my universe and the whole situation better. I spent a lot of time watching screens and being really into reality TV and in my late 20s, early 30s, I would say that it was my main goal in my life to be on a reality TV show. Now I look back at that. And I think like, oh, maybe my reasons were a little more vapid or but this alone show is no joke. If you haven't checked it out on Netflix yet season six. Wow, like, it's people surviving, surthriving. thriving. As will put it on her, uh, alone. <laughs> they have cameras, their own cameras. Nobody's filming them. They're filming themselves and they're surviving and they're making their own water or food, finding it, building a shelter. It's like crazy, but great. Not pejoratively crazy. Like, wow, like superhero stuff, living. The way I would pretend as a child, like in my backyard, like oh look what I'm doing. But they're really out there. Seventy-three days. She was out there for seventy-three days. And I'm watching the show, and I'm crying, and I'm crying. And there's all these amazing moments. She's dancing with the sun, and she's squirrels thanking the squirrels and being so grateful to everything she ate, and just like, and I'm cry. I mean. It was just, it was amazing. And she's a woman! There were so many women out there. And I was so impressed because I just, when it started, I was like, oh, three women. And she's feminist superhero. And I can't wait to ask her so many questions. She's calling like, right now it's gonna happen gonna happen like right now okay i'm like i did this i started it a little bit early before she called because i was trying to like center myself so i wouldn't fangirl out on like the explanation of alone before i started for those of you who haven't seen the show it's not like regular reality tv let's put it that way i mean it is in that they edited things heavily and i want to ask Winia quite a bit about what they left out and I watched, she has a YouTube channel on Buckskin Revolution, where you can watch the Alone series and listen to her as she unpacks each episode um, and says, like, the things that she could say and couldn't say, because I guess they had a, a DNR or something about the show. I guess reality TV shows do that. You can't release anything before it happens on the TV. but. Uh, she has her Buckskin Revolution channel that you should check out on YouTube, where she also teaches life school. There she is! here she is! Okay. 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 Here she is. Okay. Oh, see, I already made a mistake. Hi, Winia. <laughs> Hi,
5: Sam. How are
4: you? I, I already fangirled out a little bit to the audience before you called to, like, <laughs> calm myself down and sort of, Uh like, explain what alone is for maybe some of the people that hadn't seen it. But you're more than alone. Uh That's the thing, too. I didn't want to just, like, talk about alone today. Hi! Okay, okay. I'm calm. I'm together. (laughs) You're so cool. I'm just, like, over the Uh moon to, like, oh.
5: I mean, you didn't even have snare wire, and you caught rabbits! Okay. I know I actually got a snarky comment on my YouTube channel today about how bad I did, and how they couldn't believe I couldn't catch fish in a lake that was teeming with fish, and how bad my trapping was, and it's so funny what people think they know about a thing. Like, they didn't really advertise that I don't have water so most people have no idea that that was one of the challenges that was going on.
4: You had no fish! Well, that's, and they mentioned that at some point, that each place that they dropped people, each campsite is the wrong word, each place in the wilderness where you had the opportunity to live, they were all different, and so... Some had fish and some had, you had uh, squirrels and rabbits and berries. Not everybody had berries, right? Like,
5: I had less berries than most people, I think, actually, because I didn't have much in the way of blueberries. Every site was different, for sure. Yeah, but it wasn't really true that, like, they all had equal Mm -hmm. resources. They tried to give them the best, you know, they tried to make it the best swath and distribute the sites as well as possible. Some sites had way more resources than others, for sure.
4: Yeah, well, which would you well, have... That's,
5: life a job. that's the real world. Right? <laughs> it's Wh- not Disneyland, it's the world.
4: Which, which, uh, which, which site would you have wanted to be on, watching it after? Would you have said, oh, if I would have been there? Did you have even that thought of like, oh, if I would have been in that no. spot?
5: I mean, similar the thought that had I been in a spot with more resources, I could have done better and stayed longer, but I was in love with the place that I was. And when you're out there, you don't you have absolutely no idea right. that, what other sites are like and what other people have access to. And there's really no point thinking about what you don't have because that doesn't fit you right.
4: right. Well, but, but isn't that, that
5: what do with what you've got.
4: That's a mindset I think that we have in our real lives here all the time is that when we focus on the things that we that someone else has or that we don't have and then it creates, like, suffering and misery that doesn't even need to be there. It's like we can appreciate our own stuff. Okay, so first, I have questions not about alone. Where does (laughs) your name, where does Wania come from? What is the derivation of your super cool name?
5: Yeah, that's a great question. So the the story of it is um, one that is interesting and not necessarily super cool. Um, So when I was a teenager, um, when I was, Uh, 19, I went and I did a summer course, there was a backpacking field study, so it was eight weeks backpacking in the mounds of Idaho, which was amazing, and one of the traditions of the course was that everyone take a a trail name during that time, um, just to kind of set it aside as a thing separate from your normal life, and so I did that, and I was really interested in ancestral skills and starting to learn more of these life ways that are the things that I'm into now. And I found a book of Lakota stories, and um, Ronia was a name. I wanted something that sounded beautiful and had a beautiful meaning and was something that I really identified with. And um, and so Ronia is a really powerful word that means, um, like, the life spirit when it's not incorporated in a body. It uh-huh. means the breath of life. And uh-huh. so I took that on as my trail name, and after after going by it for so long, and it was a very, very transformative summer, um, I decided to keep that as my name. And so the, the not pretty part of it is that that's totally cultural appropriation. Oh. And I, you know, I was a young woman, and I didn't really have that lens, and I didn't understand, you know, I had no concept of that or why it might not be a great choice. So um, so that's where Wonia comes from, is from a young woman who just named herself uh, a word from another tradition that wasn't her own, and I do think it's beautiful, and I do really identify with it, and it's not a choice that I would make today, but I've gone by that longer than I went by the name I was given, and also I feel like it's a way to introduce it's that keeping that name um, brings up the conversation yeah. and allows me to talk about the concept of cultural appropriation, and just like changing it back would be like uh, letting myself off the hook and pretending that I didn't make an inappropriate choice when I didn't know any better and it gives me this kind of like this way of addressing such issues from a place of humility as someone who gets it because they've done that so um yeah so it's a great question and it's not you know um yeah it's not always an easy subject for me to talk about because of that reason
4: do you do you feel like you've earned the name now that you have embodied all these ancestral skills almost like you could call yourself a, a bunny or a rabbit name at this point because you ate so many <laughs> like you you even said on the, that was one of the things they actually showed that you're like I'm part rabbit now <laughs> like I'm or that all yeah, of your cells absolutely. were so do you feel like through the time that you've spent being like because you have integrity with these skills that you're that you've embodied and then you're, you're living and you're teaching does that remove or do you still feel <laughs> some I'm of just- that
5: no, I don't I don't think that there's any earning a thing that is, you know, something that I took without permission, uh, you know? So, I mean, wow. I think that it's not an inappropriate name if you look at it in that way. But if you look at it through the lens of cultural appropriation, yeah. I don't think that, you know, that there is anything that just changes. I mean, sure, I think that someone who didn't have a relationship with the skills and wasn't aware of these concepts, maybe it would be a less appropriate thing for, or it would be more harmful for someone else. But I don't feel like that makes it just okay, you know, not unless I had, you know, and I I have spoken to Lakota people about this too, so it's not completely without relationship to Lakota people, um, but, you know,
0: yeah,
1: that no. I
5: can't. Can. People who are all gonna have really different opinions about it. So, yeah, but it's, <laughs> it's, it's not it's for Im- me to say whether or not I earned it. I guess is the is the bottom line.
4: It's an appropriate. It's an important conversation. Like, cause since we're in this crazy time of, uh, I mean, what's happening with our world right now? There's so. But to even just to recognize a situation, it's like for me in white guilt. Like I have to constantly come up against it and say, Yeah, I'm. Oh, did I lose you?
5: I lost you. You're back. I know. Sorry about that. No, I hey, it's all good. Cell phone here, so. And you're out. <laughs> in,
4: you're up there in the mountains in Grass Valley. Okay, so here's my next question: How are you friends with a giant okay. cat?
5: <laughs> the the profile shot. Yeah, the, the picture the, the of the. You're looking
4: that. at the. You're looking mm-hmm. into the eyes of this enormous cat. I, I'm a cat person. I'm a crazy cat lady. Like mm-hmm. I love cats, and I saw that picture. I'm like, how are you friends with a giant cat?
5: I mean, that's actually a pretty small bobcat as they go. Um, <laughs> large, large compared to house cats. But that was a cat that had been hit on the road. Oh. Um, so that cat was no longer alive. Oh, so really? I thought you were looking deeply yeah. into the eyes of a cat.
4: See, look at me. I completely I misinterpreted the picture. You were.
5: I mean, I was doing that. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's all still true.
4: So. And, and so for me, uh, when I was watching you, I was so affected and I kept like kind of putting myself where you were. It was so, oh, it was so incredible because you're filming yourself and it's like so intimate because it was almost like I was with you and that's got to be weird nice. for you. And I'm wondering how like that affected you with the camera and the intimacy. But also when I was watching you, I kept thinking, I could never and you there were times where you'd pick up an animal and look at it and be like thank you thank you thank you for feeding me and and you had to be like intimate with that animal and pull off its skin and do all that stuff is that i mean how do you do that i i, I maybe i'm just so removed <laughs> from survival and life that like i just couldn't imagine i mean i was watching you do it and that was hard for me like I, when I saw Jordan with the Wolverine and I saw his little face and his teeth and I was like, I'm making myself watch this. But, like, how did was that interacting with you? With, were you just so grateful for the food that it wasn't – or that's just not freaky for you?
5: It's just not freaky for me. That's been a part of my life for a really long time. You know, I've raised my own meat animals. Um, you know, and I was vegetarian and vegan at one point. <sighs> so I was, like, very anti-hunting and PETA and vegetarian in high school. Um, but once I started being introduced to ancestral skills and, you know, I went right from being vegan to processing and eating roadkill, um, and I'm, you know, I have a science background and a deep connection with animals and it's never, it has never felt like a juxtaposition to me Mm. to love and feel connected to a wild creature and to, you know, skin it and break down its body for food and eat it. That is the most natural thing in the world to me. And. To me, the barriers that our society puts up and the the removal from our food source—that's what feels weird and wrong to me. Um, so yeah, it certainly was not an issue for me out there, and nor in my life in general.
4: See, I um, I I cook. One of the things I do for a living is I I I cook. I have no problem if an animal has no head. Like I can I've processed so <laughs> many birds. I've deboned so many birds in my time. Like it's, but if they have a head, I can't do it. And, and I think maybe it must be something to do with the way I was raised, and I was so far removed. Even when I am working with a food source, I'm still removed from it, even when it's whole. So right. Um, talk a little bit about Buckskin Revolution and what you're doing to try to create that connection again with people and the way we should – I don't want to say should be living our lives. That's weird, but the way we did for – thousands of years, and then it's just this little, tiny little bit here at the end where we're so removed from it.
5: Exactly, right, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you've kind of you've hit the nail on the head there that my work with Buckskin Revolution is to kind of um, invite people back into that place of connection, not just with the world around them. Um, but with our own selves, with our human communities, and with with our ancestry as humans and what it is that we evolved to do. And absolutely, the bodies that we live in evolved over the course of hundreds of thousands of years, millions of years, to to allow us to engage deeply with the world around us. And it's only been a few hundred years that that's completely shifted to where we no longer need a lot of these senses that we evolved with. And I think that you know, the malaise that we see in our modern society and so many people who are unsatisfied and, you know, dealing with depression and feel like there's something missing from their lives, I believe that that is because we are living lives that are so different from what we evolved to do. And that does, you know, that does leave a feeling of something missing. You know, we have all of these amazing sensory perceptions that are about engaging with the world around us, and instead we engage with screams, you know, 12 inches from our faces, and we fill our senses with noises, and, you know, like right now there's a helicopter overhead, and I can hear the highway, and, you know, my ears evolved to the frequency of bird song, Uh and knowing what's going on in the forest around me through paying attention to what the birds are doing, and, um... Yeah, I think that the degree to which we engage those skills, those senses, those parts of our body, you know, just our hands in, in fashioning things that we need for our lives, there's something deeply fulfilling about that, you know, on a level that we don't even really know how to verbalize. Um, Crafting, well, that, it's that's making... That's what I'm trying to share.
4: When When humans, I mean, we as humans, all we really have is the ability to create things, right? Either thought or stuff and I feel like uh, and watching you craft it uh, that was the thing okay so at the beginning of the show they don't show you for like two weeks and I get it it's a reality tv show and they had to show the people that were going to break their leg and get kicked off and they had to show their stories a little (laughs) bit because they were leaving and you were going to be there forever but all those things that we didn't get to see like you were just sitting on the ground weaving baskets for two weeks or like what was because you were, cra- I mean, obviously you were doing things. You were. There's a lot
5: going on in those first couple weeks, yeah.
4: So it was all like um, building your amazing shelter, which was like the best shelter. I was like, I want to live there. That's, <laughs> it was, <laughs> it looked warm and snug and like a real little house. But you were like mm-hmm. literally crafting all the time. Yeah, I mean, it, when you weren't looking uh, for food. there was all kinds
5: of things. I mean, it's, it's hard to sum up. It was a huge time. You know, I mean, it starts off with the most important thing that you can be doing is, yeah, getting your shelter set and then starting to to key into your environment and where the food sources are and strategizing how you're gonna avail yourself of those. So that was what, you know, my first couple days were scouting my site and deciding where to set up my shelter and um, being sure that I was in the best possible location and then starting to build. And, you know, we we had snow on day three. So it was full on from the very beginning. And so I was constantly in this place of trying to balance food, resources, and shelter, and you know, when I woke up covered in snow, obviously that's going to nudge me to prioritize shelter um, for that day, um, but always trying to hold both of those things, and um, certainly the first few days were more focused on shelter for me because I knew that my body still had a lot of calories in it because yeah. we had been gorging up until we left, so I knew that my system had as much energy you know, at the very beginning as I was likely to have. Um, and so I wanted to really focus on shelter at first while I knew I still had those, those you know, glycogen stores in my liver. Um, wow. <laughs> and um, but by day four, I started hitting fishing really hard. And over the course of the next couple weeks, um, doing, you know, doing a lot more focus on fishing until it became increasingly clear that I was not in a location that had fish. Right. Um, you just a, a very, very shallow water.
4: That must have been so frustrating that you m- crafted all those lures and you were out there and just sitting for hours? I mean, were you listening to the birds? Like, <laughs> did you <laughs> You just...
5: I mean, I was doing... it. Ep- n- no. <laughs> I was constantly, constantly active, oh. doing everything I possibly could to improve my situation every daylight hour and well into the night by headlamp. There was no downtime and listening bird. okay um, yeah. you
1: know, <laughs> but so like
5: that's something that i was doing as i was doing everything oh, else gotcha. you know like part of my awareness would be there but um but no constantly How? you know bringing in firewood working on the shelter you know strategizing new ways to to try to make fishing happening finding you know scouting the landscape and seeing whether there were any other better places for fishing going you know making a moose call and going into the woods and calling moose i mean i was i was splitting my strategy between fishing and bringing in moose. But that, and, you know, you were asking, like, what were the resources that I had? My site was very resource scarce compared to a lot of the other sites. I didn't have big game. You know, I was hoping for problems with bears because I had a bow, <laughs> 45-pound bow and broadheads, and I would have been thrilled to have bears sniffing around my camp. And that happened with a lot of other people. But that's not, you know, I was on a narrow rocky peninsula with no fish and no big game and really actually very scarce small game because it was, you know, mostly bare rock. Right. Um, So in terms – you asked earlier, in terms of resources, somewhere like Jordan's area where he had fish and big game and a ton of small game, I mean, he was in an area that had been burned a couple years before, which means there's a ton of vegetation regrowth. It's one of the most abundant sites that, you know, that you can possibly have. Um, And mine, in contrast, was a bare rocky peninsula surrounded by shallow water.
4: Right, with where you got to – now, here's another question I have. Uh, what's your dance background? And I was so bummed that they only showed you once <laughs> with your – because I, w- I watched all of your YouTubes after, and you're like, I was dancing every night I had a dance party until the last week. And,
5: uh, not every night. Once a week.
4: Once, once a, week. a week. Oh, okay. But you sang the sun yep. up every morning.
5: I, I sang the sun down but every s- evening. You sang the sun down. Um, yeah. But, but these were rituals mm-hmm. – I sang the sun up a lot of mornings, but not every morning because okay. – mornings were a lot more challenging frankly <laughs>
4: what was it just it was <laughs> so maybe cold it'd be all the more reason. was it getting out of bed was just yeah, so it, difficult.
1: Was yeah, yeah it was cold yeah i mean <laughs> as
5: time went on things you know like starving for weeks on end um and really really cold temperatures and not sleeping well because generally when one is um really undernourished and in ketosis it tends to affect your sleep patterns um so so yeah, but getting out of a sleeping bag into minus twenty degrees Ugh. and you haven't had anything to eat for weeks Ugh. is challenging. Yeah. So I'm and my voice is a little more croaky in the morning. So, wow. <laughs> so my singing, right, singing practice singing, is more sure. consistent in the evenings than in the morning. And but
4: these were rituals so this is kinda goes back to the ancestral thing. So you were creating rituals for yourself out there. And is that what like helped keep you grounded in then like what what, w- what did you find cause I also you also made ancestral plates like you said that y- when you were cooking your food you were like how did I don't want to like say like how did that witchy stuff help you but I, I mean I'm into it too <laughs> so but you were you were performing all of these rituals how did that like bolster your attitude and your how you were spending out there because I didn't see anybody else like doing rituals like that
5: yeah I mean you know I think that Um, I think that ritual has a certain connotation, which isn't necessarily how I would describe it. I mean, I think that it has a lot of connotations, some that fit and some that don't. But I would say, yeah, I mean, definitely, I wove into my life a lot of practices that reminded me to be coming from a place of gratitude and connection. I just you know, like I, I've posted videos about making blood pudding and have some people say that I'm like doing satanic practices <laughs> or something, so I'm leery around the term ritual. Sure, sure, because sure sure take that yeah. and run with it, all kinds of weird places. Um Right, so well you're anyway. like a celebrity yeah, now, I'm so
4: you you have to you do have to watch <laughs>
5: what no, seriously, because words uh, of people that's I'm not sure the word I would use necessarily, uh, but millions. I have a higher profile than I used to.
4: Millions of people have seen you like Sur- sure. And all of yeah, the skills that, I mean, do you feel like this was the, pe- this is what you've been working your whole life for? Like all of your skills came to fruition for this time that you were able to survive? And not
5: just for that time, for, for similar things. For all time. It, it definitely felt like a fruition of a lot of things, but it, I don't like to think of it as like an end goal because then what, what do you have after an end goal?
4: <laughs> R- right. Sure. So
5: yes, it, it was definitely a culmination of, um, of things that have been a huge part of my life for decades. Um, yeah. But I hope that it's not the last time oh, no. I get to use all of those skills. But
4: <laughs> I'm sure you're using the skills right now. Um, so back, I didn't, a uh, dance background. So were you a dancer as a child? Because you...
5: No, not at all. Um, I mean, I am someone who, lo- I mean, I guess, yes, I got dragged to ballet at four and, you know, did somersaults in tutus and such, but that's the... <laughs> That's the sum total of my dance background. I mean, I'm I'm someone who loves dancing, and have taken you know I have taken different dance classes, but um, mostly just freeform forms, um, you know, like five rhythms and ecstatic dance and that kind of thing. Um, I wouldn't say it's a background, but just something that's a part of who I am and something that I really love.
4: Rad. I just, uh, t- yay. Um, okay, so I have all of these questions about cameras. Did they train? Okay, so Mm -hmm. it was a crazy show to watch because it was beautifully shot. And I know that some of it was be real and, like, they are a show and Mm -hmm. they're doing what they do.
5: But the majority of the stuff. they go over sites with drones occasionally and that kind of thing. So they do, you know, bolster what we do.
4: But you are your own camera person, which I don't, it took me a while to realize that. I'm like, so do the camera crew, I kept thinking, like, the camera crew gets lunch, like, while they're starving. That's inhumane that's terrible but then i realized like wait 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 no Uh, no
5: there's no camera there's no one there right no it's actually literally i mean the show is called alone for a reason yeah it's quite literal (laughs)
4: yeah i just didn't believe it at the beginning and then i'm like okay this is real so did they teach you how to use camera or did they tell you like what shots they wanted you to do or where okay
5: yeah no absolutely that's a big part of the prep before going out is um is yeah, the the camera training and that happens also in their selection process. Um, you know, when they they, they had for my season I think they had twenty thousand applicants on a loan. Um and then and, and I didn't apply, they they called me. Um and so, you know, I kinda got a got a leg up in that whole process. But um but then they narrow those twenty thousand down to twenty, in my case twenty two people and then they bring us out to New York for a week to do a bunch of different assessments, um, skills assessments, you know, physical tests, psychological tests, and in that they do a bunch of camera training and then they're also, um, I think they're also really paying attention to see who cares to dive into the camera training and who's actually really um, prioritizing learning the camera skills because you can have all of the survival skills in the world, but if you're not that interested in shooting well, then they don't have a show, right. you know? So, very important that um, that they select people who care to do a good job with the camera training, which, you know, I did.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, so. it was
4: beautiful. It was beautifully yeah. shot. And even, like, when you're I guess kept thinking, like, how much time are you spending with the camera? Because the sun is going down and you're chipping through this ice and it's 18 inches thick and you didn't have the axe. You had your cool thing that you chopped the trees down with and, and you're just going and going and going. And I was like, how much time did the camera take to sit up? And then you have to take it
5: home
1: and well, all these and other, that, like... Yeah,
5: and that, that's a huge component. And honestly, you know, I would do it differently now than I did then. I was very, very invested. I mean, really the reason why, and there were a lot of different reasons why I decided to do alone. But a big part of it for me wasn't, you know, it wasn't about the competition. It would have been great to win on some level, sure. And there were some levels where I didn't actually think that winning would be the thing. Um, but m- one of my main goals was to demonstrate a different way of approaching survival than what one usually sees on these shows. And, you know, it usually tends to be about, like, competition and coming from this very antagonistic place with the natural world and, like, mm. you know, it's me versus nature. And, you know, even one of the shows is called Man versus Wild. Right. You know, and that is the polar opposite to my perspective and how I wanted to be out there. So for me, it was the opportunity... To share my perspective with the world stage, and knowing that the you know the better I did, the more I the more I proved that going about things from a place of connection and reciprocity rather than domination and you know competition is a viable strategy is a viable strategy for survival. So um, because that was such a goal of mine, I really took a lot of time with the filming, and that was a huge part. I would say. Half of my daylight hours and, you know, calories and time and energy went to getting really good shots. Wow. And it would, it would affect what I did. You know, I would choose to do things like I would process my animals during the day, during the daylight hours, so I could get really good footage of it. When for me, practically speaking, it would be way better for me to leave that animal in my shelter and do it at night because there are tons of things I can be doing out on the land when the sun is out that I can't do in the dark. And the sun was only out for four hours a day by the time I left. So every daylight hour was so huge, and yet I sacrificed a lot of them to get the good camera angles and to set up the good shots and do the good filming, and then it was so disappointing to watch the show and see that, like, way less than 1% of the things I filmed made it onto the show, and I could have done so I, I could probably have had twice as much food if I had had twice as much time. Well, honestly, I'm not sure that that's true because my spot was so resource scarce, but You know, I could have done much better in terms of the survival aspect had I not put so much energy towards filming really well. Um, So, you know, I don't want to say that anything is a regret because it was the most amazing experience I've ever had. And had I shifted some things and maybe other things that I can't know now would have shifted and that would have been a bummer. But I would do it differently in terms of so much time and attention towards filming well if I was to do it again.
4: How many hours a day did they ask you to film? Because,
5: we were we were asked to film absolutely everything we did. Wow! Basically. So what do they give you batteries we every time? They not legally require that. So we had we had a way to recharge our own batteries. We had a big, like essentially like a big car battery, uh-huh. um, that we could recharge some of the batteries ourselves. But then they would also give us a ton of batteries when they came to do medical no checks. checks. And then figured. also early on, when they weren't doing medical checks and when the lake wasn't frozen, they would. Um, they would do what they called blind drops, or we would have a dry bag, and we would leave our dead batteries and our SD cards with our footage on the shore in a dry bag, and they would come by with a boat and grab that bag and replace it with a bunch of fresh batteries. So and, we, but they wouldn't you know, talk never to wanted us to be without batteries.
4: Of course. No, no, like, we
5: wouldn't we okay. even see the boat. We weren't supposed to be anywhere near shore when they did that. They would let us know, okay, we're doing a blind drop today. Don't be anywhere on shore, you know, between this hour and this hour.
4: So, did you look forward to med checks just because they were people, like when they started happening, or was it like, oh, med checks? I don't wanna. I don't wanna know. Or
5: no, I didn't. I didn't really look forward to them. I felt like it really interrupted my routine. I oh. mean, one thing is that a day with a med check was kind of a lost day a lot, in terms right, of food no gathering daylight. because they would give me a window when they, when they were coming, but they didn't know when exactly, so I couldn't be that far from my shelter, and my trap lines were a good ways away from my shelter. Um, and so it meant it meant losing a ton of time. It meant like stripping I mean they weighed me. I had to strip down in the freezing cold you know um, And it just when you're so adjusted to being out there on your own, like I wasn't lonely. I was loving it. I like really had this beautiful, um connection and solitude and um you know having a helicopter land and a whole bunch of people come out and you know poke and prod you and ask you a bunch of questions it's very disruptive and it was a whole different energy and it took me a while after they left to kind of get back to my serenity after everything being so stirred up and this whole different type of interaction um so i know i did not look forward to the medical t- i mean i really had a deep connection with a lot of the people um, who were coming with the film crew? Like, I really appreciated them as people, and so it's not like I didn't enjoy the interaction when they were there, right. but it was still so disruptive that I would rather have not had it. And towards the end, you know, I was having medical checks a lot more often because I was dangerously underweight, and I knew they were very, very concerned about me. So I had the fear of being pulled up, you know, all the time. Um, right. I got my first warning that I was on medical alert on day 40. Whoa! so 33 more days, I was out there wondering when I was gonna get pulled and having medical checks way too often that were very disruptive and actually really um, affected my ability to bring in food a lot. So it's like, you're underweight, so we're gonna check you more often. And it's like, well, the more that you check me, the more underweight I'm gonna get because that's the whole day that I lose a lot of my trapping capacity.
4: Uh, How far, you said your traps were a ways away, like a mile? I'm just trying to think calorie wise. No, no. no not uh, that
5: far. I mean, uh, it changed all the time. You know, okay. I had different trap lines set up. I was constantly, I mean, every day I was checking and resetting because I had fishing line and not snare wire. Fishing line rabbits can chew through in, you know, half oh, a yeah. second. So I was.